The following show contains adult content. It's not our intent to offend anyone, but we want to inform you that if you are a child under the age of 18 or get offended easily, this next show may not be for you. The content, opinions, and subject matter of these shows are solely the choice of your show hosts and their guests, and not those of the Entertainment Network or any affiliated stations. Any comments or inquiries should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for listening. excited we have uh, new kinds of guests coming on a little bit for our first guest and so it's going to be a lot of fun um, but before we even get into that let's say hi to our our rest of our show hosts <laughs> we have Ron what Russell does that, mean? that means you have the dog <laughs> <laughs> so here's Ron Russell's show and, and Astro take a bow Wake Astro up. take a bow such a lazy dog take your bow Astro looks like hi <laughs> Okay, get back on your pillow. There you go. All right. So say hi. I have a pillow on my lap, and he's on the pillow. Hi, everybody. Um, Today's show will be a little different. I guess we have to tone it down a bit. With a guy guy coming on, that's an (laughs) ex-judge. It should be a lot of fun. We have to be careful. Oh, they say they love your hair. What's up, chat room? Sydney Lady Lake's in there. Reynolds is in there. I thought my hair looked like an old man. If you want the truth, you Distinguished, love very distinguished. Distinguished, okay. So now I'm distinguished. You know, I wrote on Facebook. They said stylish, very stylish. Very stylish, <laughs> okay. I wrote on Facebook when I was young, people in a picture, people would say, oh, I saw you. Now at this age, they see my picture and they write, oh, what a great picture or nice shot. But I'm not in it. You know, I'm in it, but they don't mention me. <laughs> so this is what happens when you get older. That's funny. But anyway, so what did we do this week? We went to a birthday party. We went to a birthday party. And, and uh, Wells was there. Claudia Wells, who was our guest two weeks ago, was there. So okay. we had met her before, but this time it was more fun because we right. had known even more about her since right. we had her on the right. show. Right. So we hung out with and Claudia Wells. it was Wells. so nice going into Los Angeles because it was 82 degrees there. And here it was like 117 that's right. So, let's look so we are really hot again, you know. But this is Palm Springs. It's been this hot forever. I mean, the history of Palm Springs has always been uh, 120, 121, 115. It's a desert. We're in the Mojave Desert. We're in the middle of the Mojave Desert. It's hot as hell. Imagine, I never <laughs> dreamed. As a kid, I remember the Mojave Desert and Indians. You know, cowboys, chuck wagons, and Indians. I never dreamed that I would be living in. Um, a desert. It's very uh, beautiful in the wintertime and, and not in the summertime. And it's yes. beautiful in the summertime, but you can't go out because it's very, very hot. Right. I mean, it's really right. hot. You we guys. have six weeks left. After six weeks, the weather is the best in the country. And it's gorgeous all winter long. 
We went to an appointment, and after the appointment, we had to get into the car, and Ron cuts the car handle and almost burnt his hand. It was so hot. The car's so hot from having to sit outside. Of course, it's a metal handle. It was really hot. Uh, you know, the seat of your car is hot, so when you sit down, you know, your testicles become fried eggs. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit I had to do, you know, even though we have sophisticated guests on, big shots, I had to be a little nasty, you know. That's who I am. You know, I wrote a thing today about Jane Russell, and um, I, I don't know if people think that I was rude to her. We were going to the Cinema Paradiso for a, in Florida for an award she was getting, an achievement award, and they were playing Gentlemen for Blondes. So Jane was in my house, and she got dressed and came out into the living room, and I looked at her, I said, she was in a gorgeous gown. I said, Jane, what happened to your tits? They're so low, like an old lady, you can't do that. I said, tighten up the bra strap. And she turned around to me with a pleasant face and said, I did wrong, it doesn't go any higher. And she wasn't happy. So I yelled to my daughter, Leslie, I said, Leslie, who was in her bedroom, do you have a bra that you could loan Jane a push-up to get her boobs higher? So Leslie said, yes, I do. And Leslie loaned her a bra, and her boobs appear beautiful where they should be. So I wrote about it on Facebook. And I'm just curious to see what people's reaction will be to that. I don't know. I, I don't but know it's a true story. Yet. I mean, Jane loves me, and I loved her. So I got away with murder with Jane. And she knew I didn't mean anything vulgar by it. That's just how I talk. You know, I come from a tough town where people were tough and people were uh, funny. We had a, a great sense of humor in Brooklyn and New York. New Yorkers have the greatest sense of humor. You know, a building could fall on us and we make a joke about it, whereas other people would whine and cry forever about it. So that's just me. I'm a little tough, I guess. But that's who I am. And if you don't like it, what can I tell you? At 82 years old, what do you think I'm going to change? <laughs> we got lots of luck, baby, on that one. So, so I want to know if anybody went and saw the Meg 2. I want to go see the Meg yeah. 2, you guys. I'm super, like Ron's big Jason Statham fan. I just mm -hmm. like it because it's an action film with sharks. Um, so if anybody saw it, let me know what you thought because it just came out and I want to go see it. And um, What does a movie cost nowadays? I don't know. We haven't been to one since like the middle of COVID. Yeah, I mean, they went up, they, they went up in price. I bet they're like 15 bucks a ticket. I remember theater in New York. I went to see... Uh, uh, a big, big, big movie uh, theater productions, and I paid three dollars and fifty cents standing room only. Okay, but that's like no. But if you, years you ago. bought a ticket, it was fifteen dollars to go see uh, Gypsy. Now that ticket's probably five fifty. Oh yeah, <laughs> five hundred. Yeah, 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 it's true. And this is when I was going to beauty school. This was nineteen sixty, and I paid fifteen bucks for a ticket. In fact, I did see Gypsy with Ethel Merman on Broadway. $15. So everything is going good, you guys. The strike is still going on, which is just a total bummer, but hopefully they're going to, they're explosively negotiating again. So hopefully that'll help us out some more and that uh, we can get this thing going so we can go back to making movies. Um, in the meantime, and we have so many stars that want to come on our show, but they can't now because of the strike. Yeah, not so, everybody will talk about things, so it just depends. Um, so what like, I like last week's show, I remember we couldn't mention sell. We couldn't mention names. We couldn't mention movies. It was a dreadful interview because it was like pulling teeth. How can you do an interview without talking about the work of the people? We're we're a business. Um, um, where are, what are we? 
a business conversation, entertainment yeah, we're, business. An show. Enter- we're entertainment, exactly. I don't know what the hell we are. That's okay. So I want to thank <laughs> everybody. I want to thank everybody who's been tuning in every week. Our last three shows have done really well, about twenty over twenty million views for the last three shows. So thank you so much. Um, you can hear us uh, live on our home station w4cy.com. We're on from twelve to two p.m. Pacific time, three to five p.m. Eastern time. And then you can hear us on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Prime. Love it if everybody would start listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts because now I've got a thing worked out that we get paid for, <laughs> for those well, if enough do? people watch. So well, like that would be, nice be terrific. To get paid. And uh, uh, so please watch us there. And um, I also, since we're talking about movies, I want to plug my movie Purgatorium again. It's on Tubi TV. It's doing really well. Um, everybody seems to like it. Um, and I want to show the trailer one more time just to get it in there. So this is my movie Purgatorium. It's out on Tubi TV. I'm one of the producers on it. It's a psychological thriller, and everybody seems to be enjoying it. So here's the trailer. Enjoy, and then please go watch it on Tubi TV. Don't I have a movie out now? No. Soon. Soon I have some. Okay, but let him go. He's going to play my trailer. What? Go, Juan. Take the trailer away. Purgatorium, everybody. So what is this dump? I'm, 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 I'm stuck in here. Who put you up to this? No one did, sir. I gave it to you in writing, Bart. In black and white. I really don't want to hurt you, man. Then don't. Evil is with us. This man once said, life is like a swing. If you're doing and not doing, it does not stop. Stay up there! The funny thing about streams, though, once it's off course, you can never change it back. Good movie. Um, so it's fun, Anybody you guys. You're going to enjoy it. Yeah, I think you well, Wait a minute. Can we do that? Are we going against the strike? No. Everybody's watched streaming show on TV. Okay, it's not right. a union production. It's not a union production. No, it's not a union production. So so you can like watch it. It doesn't matter. We have to watch stuff. I mean, we're going to go see The Meg. It's in the theaters. Just those people can't promote it. But if we go to the theater to see Meg, we're actually supporting the, the bad guys. So we won't go to the theater to see it. We'll wait until it comes on television. Oh, I want to see it on a big screen. I'm going to pick a, a, a line. What do they call them? Scabs. You're not a scab anyway because you're not a part of the union now. <laughs> well, I'm not working, but that doesn't mean I'm not you know, involved with the union. Anyway, we're going to go see the May because Deirdre wants to see it too. Um, so my daughter wants to see it. That makes it okay. What am I? Chop liver? <laughs> Everybody rules my life and tells me what's permissible and what's not. Boy, oh boy. I'll tell you. When you're young, you tell your kids what to do, right? The minute you get old, your kids tell you what to do. Like you become the child, like you're stupid. Yeah, Yeah, you're the child. You're senile and you don't know how to zip up your pants, you know. Yeah, you're the child. to tell you. Did I already tell everybody where they can see the show? Yes, I did. What show? 
our show. Yeah, okay. we're all over. I know, but I, did I actually say I think, it? Yes. No, did I say it today? Because if not, you have to say it every time. To you did. People. You said all the names. SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. You know what? That. Maybe you should add a I can't time. remember. <laughs> you should add a kid to tell you what to do. You're getting a little weird. Mm. Oh, B just joined us from Germany. B, B, I did send energy to you for your son. Yes, B. And I hope all goes well, sweetheart. Absolutely, B. It will. I have good feelings about it. We're putting out good vibes for B. Her son mm -hmm. has to have hand surgery. He's in Switzerland, I think. Or Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah, they went to Switzerland. Love you, B. For the special doctor. Uh, thanks, Cindy. Her son needs. They say we look handsome and dapper today. Oh, really? What do I look like shit other days? <laughs> I mean, I look handsome and dapper. I combed my hair, and I don't like my hair combed. I never did. So just I have, like this. I have stuff. never combed my hair in my life. That's me. Okay, now I feel good. <laughs> I never combed my hair, even as a young kid. When I used to go to school, the teachers would say to me, comb your hair, and they tell me to put Vaseline, imagine. Put Vaseline in your hair. What does that do? It slicks it down and doesn't move. Oh, but how do you get it out? I guess when you wash it, I never put it in. <laughs> and I said to the teacher back even then, my day, I said, listen, I like my hair like this. I don't like my hair combed, okay? And they reported me, and my parents had to go up to the principal's office because I answered back the teacher. And my mother, being an actress, and my father being a liberal, they both went after the principal and said, my son looks wonderful. He's got a very big head of hair, and when the wind gets in it, that's what it looks like. And they, you know, they didn't, school hated my parents, too. Anyway, I never combed my hair again. When I got married, on my wedding day, they said, aren't you going to comb your hair? And I went like this. I said, I did. <laughs> I just did. I put my hands in my hair, folks, for those of you on radio. That's right. So, you know, leave people alone. Let people do what they do. And let people feel good about themselves. And if running around naked makes you feel good about yourself, then go and do it. And if your hair needs to be messy, and it's no big deal, but it causes trouble. No. No, my hair's always messy. Yeah, I like messy hair. Combed hair looks like a wig. I, I wear like you know, I'm not a Ken doll. You know, where they stamp out your hair. So anyway, we're going to bring on our first oh, by guest. By the way, that movie, Bobby, do not go see it. It's a horrible movie, putting men down. How do you put men down? That's disgraceful. <laughs> I love men. <laughs> anyway, we're going to bring on our first guest. Let's see if we can hear him and get him in the in, in the visual so we can see him. Go ahead and bring him in, Juan. Hey, Harvey. Hi, Jimmy. Hi, Ron. Harvey Brownstone. So you're a lanceman of mine. What a treat to finally meet the both of you. And Ron, your hair is gorgeous. No, but I mean, I don't like it combed. I never did. It, it was like a wig. It's so much hair that if you comb it, it looks like a wig. Anyway, enough well, of let me that. make an introduction. So All right, everybody. Now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, former judge, author, speaker, and television host, Harvey Brownstone. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. We've never had a judge on before. Well, it's a thrill to be here. I'm a big fan of both of yours, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Oh, so this is Ron, like you know, and this is Astro. Show him Astro. Oh, oh, <laughs> Let him sleep. Okay, so he doesn't uh, wake us up. Your house is gorgeous. Are you in Palm Springs? No, he's no. I'm in Toronto. 
That house looks like a Palm Springs house. That's just, that's just a background. That's not his house, oh, that's right? Not Is house. that really your house? That's really my house. And I did design it to be a Palm Springs type house. So, Ron, I love you. No, <laughs> you know, I tell the truth. Do you play the piano? If it no, my, my boyfriend does. Okay. If your house looked like a Ninth Avenue slum, I would not say anything. <laughs> Actually, so it's we have absolutely gorgeous. My style. We have a bunch of people in the chat room. It's filling up. Please say hi to everybody in the chat room. Hi, everybody. So nice to have you here. Yes, it's so, be so fun. you let us know that you're gay by saying boyfriend, so that opens a door. You may regret the door you want. No, open. no, he's Canada's first gay openly judge. Well, I don't know. I don't research. Anything. I know I do the research, so I'm doing the bragging. So hang on, let no, me. Wait, let me explain something, Harvey. If my interviews sounded rehearsed, they wouldn't be as good as they are. I never research any of my guests. I do. I find out from them in the interview. Because the moment you're rehearsed, it sounds like shit. Well, now you tell me. I wish you'd have told me that when we started our show two years ago. <laughs> no, well, that's a success of our show. It's the spontaneity of it. The, we don't know. I mean, we get reactions that are normal and natural. Hang on. I want to brag for you a little bit, yes, Harvey. Yes, so, yes. All right, you guys. So first year of Canada's first openly gay judge. Now, and this is something that I really like have a question about. So it, it said that you are the first sitting judge to host a TV show. It's Family Matters with Justice Harvey Brownstone. And I want to know what that means because Judge Judy's been on forever. Does that mean Judge Judy's not a sitting judge? That's right. Judge Judy had to leave the bench when she accepted a television deal with CBS. So, uh, But I was a sitting judge for the two years that we had our show on TV. And of course, because I was a sitting judge, you know, I had to keep it very, I used to say it was like pablum, no flavor and no texture. Right. <laughs> uh, that's my, cool, first, my first question to you is, what makes you think that you have the right to tell people that they're wrong and to send them to jail for a period of time? I mean, who the hell are you? You're not God. You're just a human being. <laughs> And I often want to say that to these judges that I've, I've met quite a few. You know, we are friends. And I tell them the same thing. And they say, well, we go by the book, the law book. Is that true? Or do you go by personal feelings? If I was before you and I said, listen, fucko, uh, you know, you think you're going to send me to jail? Guess what? You're not. Would you like to dislike me and do me a longer, <laughs> a longer sentence? <laughs> I don't think anybody could dislike you, Ron. But to answer you. <laughs> To, to answer your question, I think you've raised a really great point about what it's like to be a judge. And one of the reasons I wanted to get myself appointed was because that's how I felt as a lawyer. So bravo to you for picking up on what is essentially the, the conflict, the inner conflict that a good judge should have, because we're not better than anybody else and we don't have the right to judge other people but we do assess other people's behavior. And if someone behaves in a way that does break the law, I think society expects somebody yes. to be in a position to hold them accountable. And yes. that's what I tried to do. I didn't judge people. I just tried to assess the behavior and apply. I wasn't really throwing the book at them. I was trying to be a problem solver. That's how I approach the job. Well, if I were a judge and I had a pedophile in front of me, 
I'd send him to life term for five times. But if the guy is tall, gorgeous, and stunning, <laughs> I let him go. Yeah, right. I, I, I just say, goodbye, you're off. Goodbye, you're free. Actually, hold on. We should tell everybody, though, too. So you um, you also are the first sitting judge to write a best-selling book, Tug of War, um, and it's a judge's verdict on separation, custody, and the better realities of family court. So you're a family court judge, we should tell everybody, which is different. Well, I, I was a family court judge for 19 years, and then I switched over to criminal court. Wow. And I tell you why I did that. My own relationship with my partner of 26 years broke up when I found out he was cheating on me. And from that day on, I couldn't bear being in family court dealing with everybody else's breakup when I was ha when I was had to deal with my own. Okay. So I switched over to criminal court and I did that in total. I was a judge for 26 years and then I finally came to my senses for all of the reasons Ron has mentioned and I and I became a talk show host. It's kind of weird, eh? Wait a minute. Yes. Listen, listen to me. If I were you, with your power as a judge, I would frame the ex-boyfriend, <laughs> have him sent to you before you in the courtroom, and then sentence him to life. But the only problem is, if you sentence him to life in jail, you'd be doing him a favor, because he might be everybody's bottom in the jail and just love every moment of it. <laughs> so you have to give him the chair and kill him. Well, let me tell you, if they could get it up, it's theirs. <laughs> So actually, say hi to B. Claudia. She's in the chat. I room love you, Bobby. She says you're I really book. do. I love you. You're a good guy. Say hi to B. Claudia. She's in Germany. She says your book is awesome. Um, and oh, tell us a little bit about the book, real quick, since we're on it, just so we can see. It says you went on an 18 month city, 80 city tour. That's a big deal. That's not like I a little book. He, he wrote a book. It became a bestseller, and he went on an 18 month, 80 city tour promoting so, it. You have to speak clearly because the 80 city tour didn't come out right. What did you see? It came out like an idiot sewer. Oh, no. <laughs> He's an idiot sewer. So tell us a little bit about the book so we can promote it for Just you. Just like Jimmy bit. when he says, uh, it's a horror show. You know what he says? He had a, we had a woman on one day. He said, so, so you're a horror show. And she said, what? He, thought he called her a whore. No, horror, horror. How do you say horror? But you know, I totally get that, Ron, because one day in court, I said to some nice guy that had done something bad, I said, you know, your heart is in the right place. And he thought I said, your heart on is in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because he was having a fantasy about you. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a little warm. <laughs> no, but that's why he thought that. Everyone <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. Well, you know, it's that it, that's just so funny. As far as the book goes, I was just very frustrated as a family court judge that by the time people came into court and appeared in front of me, they had already geared themselves up for World War III, you know, with their ex and fighting over their kids. And family court is a terrible place for families, and litigation is a terrible thing for children. And I always felt that family court should be the last resort, that parents who break up should be responsible enough to put aside all their hatred and their animosity and their bitterness and work out what's best for their children. Because you could be an ex-husband, ex-wife, but you're never going to be an ex-mother or an ex-father. And so I wrote this book trying to help people understand that there are alternatives to family court and that 
if they are going to go to family court, this is what they're going to expect to have happen. And this is what judges are going to expect from them. You know, we're not in the vengeance business. And the truth is, and you know, you guys know this, we've all been through breakups before and everybody feels like a victim. You know, even men that beat up their wives, they still feel like they're victims. You know, she made uh, me do it. Not true. I beat the shit out of Jimmy Daly. <laughs> and I don't feel like, I don't feel anything. I want to beat him again. Yeah. You know, really. Like, after the show was over, I'm going to beat him all over this house. I knock him through the walls. I beat, I punch the shit out of him. Yeah, right. So, and I feel nothing but joy. Yeah, well, maybe he feels joy, too. He's no, so <laughs> you. No, you know why? You know why I beat him up? Right. This is only a sample of what you're going to get if you cheat on me. <laughs> because if you cheat on me, then you're really going to get a beating. Meanwhile, he's laying there with his eye hanging out, blood to Yeah, him. right. He's got Ron, Ron. Of course I'm joking, you stupid little fool. Ron, have you looked in the mirror, Ron? Who the hell would ever cheat on you? Any gorgeous? Oh, please, that's very kind of you. Who would ever cheat on me? A guy I used to go out with. Really? Yeah, yeah, he cheated on me, and I got rid of him real quick. Me too, baby. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so because, tell us so about I'm the new one. Explain that, Harvey. You cheat on me. No, first of all, if you're with me, I'm denying many men a great pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> right. So therefore, I have men that want to go to bed with me, and I say no. I have people on Facebook that send me messages you would drop dead from. One time, a guy sent me a picture of his penis. Really. And I, Oh, well, I sent it back. I said, it's eight inches. I said, it's about four inches too short. And I sent it back <laughs> with that note just to upset him <laughs> because he thought eight inches was a big deal. So I said, it's four inches too short. Anyway. Um, Jimmy, you must be really special. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just love when you love your blind. <laughs> you know that. You know, you, you, you say, gee, he's perfect in every way. I wish it was, but it's not. But I'll deal with it. Wait a second. So you went on an 80 city tour. Were you? Did you have a boyfriend then? Is that when he cheated when you were on tour? Or did he go with you on tour and cheat? I think he was cheating the whole time. But I finally found out. I came home from work early one day and discovered everything that had been going on. And then I ended it. But that guy did me the biggest favor because my partner that I met after Kim is an angel. Treats me right. like gold, and I'm so lucky. And and you guys, I don't know, whatever you're doing, it's really working because you both have that recent glow of the satiated, happy guy. We are, though. Well, and, and listen, I'm 83 years old. What? Been, yes. I've been around the block a few times, and I've learned that you do not stay in a relationship that's not right for you. If the relationship stinks and it's painful as hell, dump it. Go seek. There's a, my mother used to say there's a, pot, a lid for every pot. And Jimmy's a pot. <laughs> no, Jimmy's my lid. No, Jimmy and I love each other very much. We're married 10 years, going on 11. And it's a mature love. You know, when I was 19, my first lover, I saw him. I was melting. I was in heat. I didn't know, you know, first of all, I was mafia. I didn't even know that. I couldn't have cared less. I just knew that I, I, I oh, my God, you know? No, not. I, I was dating a lot before Jimmy, and I really scrutinized all the guys I dated. He was dating I, four people when he met me. Four people. And I wouldn't, 
I, I wouldn't make the mistakes again. What am I talking about? I talk myself into I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so how did you meet your new boyfriend? Yes. I met him on Match.com. Oh, good for Go you. Go away from me. Are you I'm serious? I didn't even know they had gay people on Match.com. I just thought it was straight people. Get real. Really? Not only that, we met. I was only online one week. And, you know, I was a bit nervous about it because I, I was a judge at the time. And it was a little, I didn't really think it was maybe appropriate to put myself out there. But I thought, what the hell? This is a legitimate way to meet people. And my partner, Steve, saw me and sent me a little message. And we had coffee at Starbucks that night. And let me tell you. I know what you did. Oh, <laughs> I, we did it. No, no, no. I know what you did that you got a guy in a week. You put nude pictures up of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. In all kinds of positions <laughs> with all sorts of animals. <laughs> well, all I know is whatever I did, it worked because uh, we knew it immediately. You're a good-looking guy. And oh, the ball was sexy. Today, ball guys are sexy. In my day, ball guys would be so ashamed. But no, not today. No, you look really good, too. You're a handsome guy. Oh, I can miss you. you. If you were on whatever it was, .com, what did he say? Match.com. Match.com. And I saw you, I would definitely have said, listen, uh, do you want to fall in love with me? I'm fabulous. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I You did really well with Jimmy. I could never compete with him because um, I got to tell you, I don't have 12 inches. No, neither does Jimmy. <laughs> God damn it, neither does Jimmy. Shit. But anyway, so your boyfriend didn't know the old Italian Brooklyn saying, don't eat where you shit. And he was banging that guy in your house. And you yeah. came, you found him. That's terrible. So did you knock him around a little or, 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 or threaten to well, kill him? I, I picked myself up off the floor and I said, this is over. And, you know, it was hard and it was kind of embarrassing because we were legally married and all the judges came. Really? To wedding, and I thought, you know, I was the, the gay judge, right? So when same-sex marriage came to Canada and it did come to Canada before the U.S., I was the one that was doing all those weddings. I officiated it thousands of weddings for American couples that came to Canada and I was kind of the face and the voice of same-sex like marriage. child of, of same-sex marriage. <laughs> that's, and that's what ended up happening. So it was kind of embarrassing, Ron, that my own relationship didn't succeed. And of course, I, I had to question myself, why didn't I know? Like, wh why couldn't I tell? How did I not know? But I will tell you, it made me a better judge, Ron, because I used to sit in court and I would have these, usually women would say to me, my husband was screwing around on me and I never knew and I can't believe it. And I used to sit there very judgmentally thinking, how could you not know? How could you not know that your spouse wow. is cheating on you? Well, I may tell you, it is possible to have a partner that's cheating on you long term and you don't even know it because I, that's what happened to me. Well, you know, being my wonderful age that I am, I've lost my temper and my uh, fighting because you cheat, you cheat, you cheat. I'm not stupid. I know the game. I've been out there. I know how to cheat because I've cheated. So I'm smart. If Jimmy cheated on me, I wouldn't make a big deal about it. I would simply go and cheat on him. 
In other words, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So if you want an open marriage where you go with a couple and I go with a couple, fine with me, as long as we can keep the marriage. Because to me, the marriage... We don't like that, though. We but, don't do no, that. no, no. To me, the marriage is more important. <laughs> I am with Jimmy 24 hours a day as people. I am sexually with Jimmy about, how much? Three, four minutes. That seconds, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then it's over. So am I going to throw away my marriage for six seconds of sex? No. You learn as you get older that gay people all cheat, I believe, at one point or another in their life, because men are hunters. And gay men are never satisfied with the same partner over and over and over again. It gets to be a little of this, a little of that, a little of the other, and you know it's coming, so it's boring. I mean, you blow bubbles of bubble gum, you read a magazine while it's happening. <laughs> you know, that's how sexy sex gets. So the new number you just saw walking down the street, as hot as can be, is fabulous. But you don't stop and say, I'm going to do the same thing with that number that I do with my husband. So what's the big deal? Why jeopardize my marriage because of a trick? Now, if it was John Hamm, goodbye, baby. Actually, he likes Jason Statham. Oh, Jason Statham? <laughs> Double goodbye, baby. <laughs> I don't know. I said my get out of jail card is Jason Statement. So now, guess what? I might be in a movie with him. Ah! And well, Jimmy, you better behave yourself because Jimmy deserves your loyalty. He's no, so no, loyal. Jason Statement, no, there's no such thing. No, there's no such thing as loyalty. <laughs> It'll in, never. Oh, he's straight anyway. He's straight. But if he were gay, we're not into. We're not. We're like. We're like totally. Uh, like we're like a normal straight couple. We have three dogs. We have a house. No, but we, we have don't. A fence. Do, we're not very popular. We live in a very gated community in Palm Springs. Eighty percent gay people, and mostly couples. And they do three ways. And they found out that Jimmy and I are not interested. They don't. So speak they don't to even us. talk to us. They don't even talk to us <laughs> because they think we're snobs and we're above. We it. don't drink. We don't do drugs. We don't swap. We really we don't do all the normal gay things. So we don't really, really fit. Call, we're really vanilla. Is what they call well, us. Um, I'm with you guys. I mean, I don't do orgies anymore. I don't know who to thank. <laughs> <laughs> and it's too much laundry. Yeah. <laughs> now wait. Did you write this kind of comedy in your book as well? No, I could never do that as a judge, Ron. I would have no, been thrown out. Your book you wrote. It's about being a judge. I know that, but you could have put. No, it's about family court. It's not but about you could, that. Listen, there's human and tragedy. Yeah, but you know what? When you're a member of the judiciary, you have to be very, very conservative and careful with every word. That's why I didn't like doing the TV show. I mean, the book was really great because it gave people a lot of information. And I never thought it would be a bestseller, but I was thrilled that it was. All the money went to the Children's Wish Foundation. I was thrilled about that. But the TV show, you know, you can't express any opinions when you're a judge about anything that you might have to adjudicate over. And you can't talk about ongoing cases. You have to be very, very careful. And, you know, I was the, and still am, I was the only judge in the world that was still sitting as a judge and appearing on television. But then I retired, thank God, and now I can just be myself. Yeah, that's good. But, I mean, just, it's well, actually judge, quite an accomplishment. Judge, judge Judy is very funny. But as you said, she's no longer a judge. No. She's a television personality. No. So, you know, being a television personality, couldn't you stay there and been funny? I mean, you're funny as all hell now. <laughs> well, now, you know what I do? I, I, I decided to start an interview show 
because I use my technique that I used in the courtroom as a lawyer. I'm not really interviewing people. I'm conducting an examination in chief. And if you ever watch my show, you'll see like I don't have the gift of your spontaneity and your ability to create a very intimate conversation with people that instantly become your friends. I just don't have that skill. So my interviews are very structured and they're deep. And it's like I say, it's almost like being in court. Listen, the reason I have that talent that I have is because for years and years and years, I did stand-up comedy in straight nightclubs performing as Jane Russell. Wow. That's right. Who was my best friend for many months until she died. Jane and I were buddies forever. And I performed as Jane. You know, you probably say, how could you look like Jane? I absolutely did, uh, you know. With, through all the, the, t the techniques that we do. So I, I've had 350 people for dinner in, th in supper clubs where I worked. And I was able to make them laugh when I wanted to. I was able to make them quiet down when I wanted to without them ever knowing that I was controlling them. So that's what you have to learn in, in interviewing. You control. I never let a guest control me. The moment they do, you look like shit. One time I had some broad come on our show. I walked off. Really? Walked off. Why? What happened? Well, she was a twat, a cunt, a real jerk. <laughs> I couldn't give another better We word. haven't been very many, so we've been on no. the air for 16 and, years. And one time I had a, a little bit of a fight with Randy Edelman, the fabulous composer. Yeah. Who now is my dearest and best friend, and we adore each other in real life. But when he <laughs> came on the show... He thought he was going to be a very smart Jewish boy. He didn't realize I'm a Jew from Brooklyn. So you don't play around with an Italian Jew from Brooklyn because you lose. The Italian is vicious. The Jew is smart. So you can't. He's great. Him. He's a great guest. And we uh, love Randy Edelman. I want him back on so I can talk to him. Um, I'm sitting here in shock that because you said you're 83. You don't look. You look like 63. That's a very nice compliment. Thank you. And no face lifts, no nothing, no Botox, nothing in my face. It's so that. When you cross your legs, your mouth isn't going to fly open. <laughs> no, but when I cross my legs, the volume from my rectum sucks the furniture in. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, let's tell everybody about your show a little bit. So you have a show. It's called Harvey Brownstone Interviews. How long have you been doing the show? The show is uh, two and a half years. We've been doing the show, and really, it was started out as a hobby. I never expected we'd end up on television in the UK or with a manager and a publicist. And, you know, it's really, uh, we have a, believe it or not, there's now a Harvey Brownstone coffee, a Harvey Brownstone coffee. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was, uh, it's just, you know what I think it is? There's not a lot of interviewers anymore that do what I do. You know, I, like you, I grew up with Dick Cavett and Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas and Barbara Walters and Larry King and James Lipton. They're all gone. And there's nobody really doing these in-depth interviews. And I thought maybe there would be a market for it. And nobody was more surprised than me when we started getting big stars and the, you know, we, we get 5 million viewers a month and um, and then uh, we got picked up by television in the UK, and we've got 2.7 million viewers a week watching the show there. It, nobody's more surprised than me. How do we get to your show? 
Well, we have a YouTube channel, Harvey Brownstone Interviews is the YouTube channel, or there's the website, harveybrownstoneinterviews.com. And, um, and of course, in the UK, uh, we're on XPTV1, the XPTV1 network. We're on every Wednesday and Friday. Good. You know, we, I can't wait to get you guys well, on my show. Is the Wednesday show the same then? Like you, uh, on Friday, yeah. you, you, so it airs twice. Yeah, the show airs twice a week. Do you think that the UK audience is ready for the Jimmy Starr and Ron Russell and Harvey Brownstone combo? Oh, they absolutely are. We have a huge following. Well, wait a minute. I, wait, 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 let me ask that question. But I have to tell a story that doesn't. No, wait. I have, no, no, I have, no, no, I have almost a half a million followers in the UK. So, yeah, our show's listen, popular. We've Jimmy, been, don't take him on. He's going to beat you up later. No, this <laughs> is a true story. I met Jimmy. I had a television show. I interviewed the legends of Hollywood, from Lauren Bacall down all the way to, I don't know who the hell, everybody. Tippi Hedren. Tippi Hedren, all the biggest stars of old Jane Hollywood. Jane Russell? Jane Russell. Jane, all of the old stars of Hollywood. Wow. Now I meet Jimmy, and Jimmy said, come on my radio show. It's just radio. I said, I don't do radio. I don't know how to do radio. Because I don't see people. I don't know when they stop talking. So I was overrunning everybody. Now. Jimmy said to me, Ron, I don't think you're going to work out too well because you're a little too wild, a little too risque, a little too vulgar. And, a little, and he went on and on with a list like I was a Dracula. Well, as time went on and years passed, we just did 1 billion. 100 million. 100 million. Uh, billion. 1.1 billion. <laughs> downloads. And I said to Jimmy all the time, see, people like it. People like the honesty. They like the fact that I tell everybody, pretend we're in Brooklyn, in my kitchen, having Entenmann's coffee cake and coffee, and we're bullshitting. Because this is- all your success. Well, no, because this is what we do in Brooklyn. It took us a lot longer though, because if you've got two and a half million people in the UK or whatever, two and a half million people a week, I mean, it took us years to get there. So yeah. kudos to you. Uh, that that was the TV network that did that. I I don't even know how that happened. Uh, but I was I was thrilled to get an, a following on YouTube because you know we don't have an advertising budget. I'm not known in show business, and it I don't even I can't even believe that we're getting stars to come on my show. I mean, Ron, I can understand you interviewing legendary stars because you're a celebrity yourself. No, no, I, I knew them mostly. Kay Ballard was my dear friend, okay? Oh, I love uh, her. Jimmy Hedren is a buddy of mine. These people I knew socially. I hung out with them. Rock Hudson, Tab Hunter, all these people I knew growing, growing up. So it was easy for me to interview them because I knew them. I've been at parties with them. I felt like, hey, look, come on, on, on. But if I, if, if I didn't know any of these stars, I think it would have been difficult to handle them. Wait, I want to brag for you, though, because first of all, we have shared on your show in the last two years, we have many, many crossover artists and yep. people that we've interviewed. And so, you, you did so Stephanie you Powers. Hang on, I wait, let Steph. me just go through it. I met her at Shelly Winter's birthday party. All right, so you guys, first of all, Harvey's show is called Harvey Brownstone Interviews. He does celebrities, authors, and prominent individuals. I love that, that how you added that prominent individuals thing. That was really cool. So here's some of the people that he's had, you guys. And if we've had them on our show, I'm going to tell you that we've also had them. Robert Wagner, 
Air Supply, we had Air Supply. Diane Ladd, Louis Gossett Jr., Stephanie Powers, Sharon Gless, Tony Orlando, we had on the show. Tommy James, we had on the show. Loretta Swit, Lonnie Anderson, Debbie Boone, John Edwards, Tony Tennille, Bob Gunton, we had on the show. Kiki Epson, we had on the show. Melissa Manchester, Butch Patrick, Linda Etter. I love Linda Etter. Um, Wilson Cruz, Curtis Steigers, Michael Learn. We just met her uh, at, an, at a party last year. Rich Little, Joan Van Ark, we know, but she hasn't been on the show. Mamie Van Doren's coming on the show. Uh, Adrian Barbeau. Mamie Van Doren's coming on the show? Yes. Adrian Barbeau's been on the show. Paul Williams told me he'll come on the show. And Leslie Ann Warren, who I want to get on the show. So I you had a great one. Let me tell you my Mamie Van Doren story. I know Mamie well. We were at a theater, and it was break time at the theater, and we all went out in the lobby and sat on the steps. And I'm sitting there with Mamie Van Doren, and her skirt is all the way up to Hawazoo. And I said, you know, Mamie, I know how old you are. I said, you got some pair of gams for your age. You don't have one vein, one wrinkle, nothing. I said, what, you have a stocking job done? That's where they cut you in the groin and pull your legs up. She didn't answer. Now, she went like that, and I saw scars here. So I know she had a heart. That woman has had every inch of her body tightened, even her wazoo. She looks fabulous. Fabulous isn't the word. She is, she's Dutch, and she's the sweetest gal, and Mamie and I had a ball together. We really had She has a book coming out. So she's she risque says, like I am. She says she'll come on when the book comes yeah, out. Yes, she's very risque. She's very, um, Mr. Blackwell, who was my dearest friend in the world, Richard told me a story. When he lived on, I think it was Coldwater Canyon, uh, there's an actor, I forgot his name, a handsome actor who lived up two houses, and he had a, a hot tub. And maybe he was screwing Mamie Van Doren in the hot tub, and she was moaning and screaming. He said you could hear the screams all the way down, uh, I think it was Laurel Canyon, maybe. So Mamie Van Doren got around. She banged probably everybody in Hollywood. <laughs> she outbanged Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn Monroe <laughs> did the women as well as the men. Marilyn banged everybody. Tony Curtis, who was my good friend, said she was on her knees all the time. I mean, this is the stories that I talk about. This is why we have one billion people watching. <laughs> people want to hear the dirt, the bullshit, the so, inside. So tell us, who are some of your, who are, who have been some of your favorite interviews? Well, I certainly agree with Ron about Mamie Van Doren. I thought she was fascinating. What I really loved about her is that she owns her femininity and she owns her sexuality. And when I asked her about the casting couch... She was very forthright and said, yes, I slept with producers and I slept with directors in order to get the parts. I did it because I wanted to. I didn't do it because I was being exploited or because I was being made to do it. I did it because I wanted to. And I felt in this day and age where everybody's a victim, everybody's complaining about being exploited, there's something very refreshing about a woman who says... I did it because I wanted to, and I'm not a victim. So I, I loved love her. But I you love know that. Anyone in my business that said they didn't get to the top without sleeping somebody is a miracle. Even Betty Davis banged Willie Wyler for a movie, all right? And I knew Betty well. So, I mean, and the, the actor that uh, Mamie Van Doren was screwing in the hot tub was Steve Cochran. Oh, she so, had good taste. Oh, her men were all I don't know who Steve Cochran is. Gorgeous guy. Uh, yeah, Joe she was really a favorite one. I got to say, I loved Ruta Lee. I think you know Ruta Lee. Oh, yeah, we oh, know her. I, I yeah, love we Ruta. do know Ruta, Ruta yes. Ruta's going to be in a movie, I mean. 
I think Ruta is wonderful. I think I can't wait. Have you had her on your show? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm going to go back and watch it because I just think she's the best. I, oh, yeah. I forgot. But, you know, Ruta. Stephanie Powers, when I met her at Shelley Winch's birthday party, never stopped talking for an hour. I was amazed at how this woman just rapid fire spoke. Did she do that in the interview? Yes, she did. And, you know, our show is not live. It's edited. Oh. So that's a real blessing, Ron and Jimmy, because this is a woman, you know, I wanted to ask her about William Holden and about a lot of her movies, but she really wants to talk about the environment and about animal preservation. And it went on a long, long time. And we did have to edit about 20 minutes out of it because it was just, it became a lecture. And, you know, I don't know, maybe you could give me some advice. There are some people who don't seem to understand that an interview, an interview is not a monologue. An interview is a conversation. It's a dialogue. We and tell everybody that. What yeah. I would say to Stephanie was, Stephanie, I love you to pieces. I'm so happy about the animals, but nobody really gives a shit. Now let's <laughs> talk about William Holden, and then people will listen. And if she had a reaction to that, a negative one, too bad for you, Stephanie. So when I see you, I won't say hello. And if you'd like, you know, I take a shot. I don't really care. You know, when you're 82 years old, you don't give a fuck about anything anymore. It's your world. You own it. You, you lived in it. This is my planet. And everybody has to dance to my music. If you don't like it, get the hell out of here. We're giving you 5 million people a week to sell your goodies. How dare you control me? You sit there, do nice. He's not talking about you. No, not you. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Where, where, where are you in Canada? Toronto. Oh, you're in Toronto. Wonderful. We're moving back to New York. We're moving to South East Hampton. We're coming up to see you. Wonder. Oh, I can't wait to meet you in person. Yes, we're coming Actually, up I have, Toronto. I used to go to the gay bars. I have a movie we're shooting in Toronto next year, yeah. and I have another one. I have at least one movie that's being shot in Toronto next year. But too. anyway, going back to controlling your guests, you think it's rude to do that. No, it is not rude. It's rude of them to control you and monopolize your show with the subject that they're dear to. They are Hollywood. They're not there to talk about Trump or Biden or their mother-in-law or their sister's ass. They're there to talk about Hollywood, movie stars, name-dropping, storytelling. That's what people want. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's what you should and do. And you've got some – I have to actually say because, like, uh, so you had some people that he won't know who they are, but for me they're, like, really big. Linda Etter, Curtis Steigers. I love Curtis Steigers um, to death. Um uh, Joan Van Ark, we actually know her, but we've never had her on the show. Um, and Leslie Ann Warren, that would be another one. But you've had some really – for such a short amount of time and not doing it very long, your guest list is very impressive. Now, do you have somebody out soliciting or are they contacting you? I have – I do most of it myself, but I do now have a manager, uh, and she does a lot of it. For, for example, she got us uh, Sir Tim Rice. You know, I really wanted to get Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber on. And I didn't have any way of reaching these people, but she did. And, you know, we've got Elaine Page coming on and we've got, you know, some of these people are so far beyond any possible connection I could have. So I do have a manager that helps me, you know, but like Linda Evans was wonderful. Joan Van Ark, if you get her on the show, she'll be terrific. They're, she I was find, so 
on a couple of times, but we never got the. We never well, Ron, Ron, can I ask you a question as an experienced interviewer? I found that the bigger they were, like the the more famous they are and the more talented they are, the nicer they are. Did you find that? I say that all the time. Betty Davis, who was the queen of Hollywood, there was nobody beats Betty Davis, came into my showroom I had on Robertson Boulevard to look for wallpaper for her bathroom. Well, I wound up telling her we have a toilet seat that's foam rubber and it's the same pattern as the wallpaper. And she said, oh, jolly, that's wonderful. I will sit on it when I read scripts and be comfortable. So Betty Davis, I knew right there, opened a door for me. Betty loved, loved risque jokes. That elegant woman in Now Voyager, not in real life. I said to her at a party one time up at her house in Havenhurst when she had the penthouse, I said, Betty, I have never in my life seen the talent that you have, and I don't mean on the screen. Oh, what do you mean? I said, I've never seen anybody inhale a cigarette and drink scotch at the same time. It's amazing that you could do that. She said, you should see the other things I can do. You'd be so amazed. You know, she had that double entendre sort of sense of humor. I have to say for you, to going back to you, Lori, Lori, what's Lori? Lori Towers? Is that Lori Towers? Oh, I love Lori. Lori, because Lori is the one who reached out to me about having you come on the show originally. And she was fabulous and she's very well. Uh, she's just super nice. I mean, very, very nice and a great, warm welcome to her and, uh, and the way she reached out. And, and basically, Ron, you know, has always been with all the like Turner Classic Movie stars. And I was always friends with like a lot of the 80s, like all the people who were famous in the 80s because that's my generation. You yeah. Know what I mean? So well, that's, that's what I, I, you know, like when we got uh, Tony Tennille and Tony Orlando and a lot of these people. Oh, from, yeah, yeah, we love him. He's he a wonderful like, guy. Wonderful guy. He came on our show twice. I was so thrilled. Yeah, too. We had him on twice, too. And, and now he's become a personal friend. He's a beautiful human being. And, you know, I I, I don't, I, sometimes I can't even believe, like when we had Lucy Arnaz on, you know, I, I was the biggest Lucille Ball fan. And the thought that I had her daughter on my show, I, I, had to, I couldn't believe it. You know, it was a big one that you had that, that I think Ron would like a lot, and uh, hopefully she was a good guest, and that was um, you had Peggy Lee's granddaughter. Yeah, we're having her. I'm working on getting her. She's coming. Oh, I think she would love to come on your show. And she is, you know, she looks a bit like Peggy Lee, and she honors her grandmother's legacy with such dignity and such class. I just, I'm so impressed. You know, we've had a lot of children of stars. That's one of the big things we do. We've had Hedy Lamar's son, and we had um, Errol Flynn's. I knew Hedy. We've had a lot, you know, Dean Martin's daughter, and and and, and we've had Roy Rogers' kids, and like lots we and lots of- We had Roy Rogers. We had Roy Rogers. We also yet. had, no, Rogers' kids. And we also had, I think you had like one of the Lugos one of the Lugosi's we had. We had, uh, no, I think you mean Boris Karloff. Oh, Karloff, that's it. Yes, Boris Karloff, which I met her uh, many years ago. The best and show. we had uh, Ava Gardner's niece was on, and we had Joan Crawford's grandson. He's a sweetheart. Oh, that's cool. Crawford. Yeah. Anyway, the best show I liked was when I, Arlene Dahl, who was, um, who I knew. It wasn't my friend, but I knew Arlene. And I interviewed her and I said, Arlene, is it true when you were married to Lex Barker and he was molesting um, Lana Turner's daughter, Cheryl, at 10 years old for over oh. a year, 
Oh, yeah, he was screwing her. Well, one night she bled badly and had to be taken to the hospital. And Lana Turner found out about it and got a gun and went after Lex Barker and said, if you ever go near my daughter again, I will kill you. She was a little nuts, Lana Turner. She confused murder in movies with the real life. So Arlene Dahl turns around to me and she said, Ron, that's an absolute lie. Lex Barker had a package so large, had he ever entered a 10-year-old, he would have killed her. That show went over the charts. I mean, you, I don't think any talk show will ever get the rating. It's on YouTube. And it's on YouTube, it's got like a three, three zillion people are talking about it. They're all saying, you've got to see this show. It's unbelievable. We don't get Wait, So that's what people want. Now, 40 or 50 years ago, I would never have done that because it wasn't elegant, it wasn't classy, and it wasn't proper. Because the audience was different. The audience was respectful, well-dressed, well-mannered. People, you know what the world was like years ago. Today, we have a world of insanity, and people want insanity. So if you give them a show with insanity, you're ahead. Well, that's good advice. I'm going to see if I can incorporate that somehow into my style. No, you say you should do it because I'll smack you actually, around. I've actually, Don't imitate our show. <laughs> no, seriously. I've um, actually watched some of your shows. I've never. Uh, no, I will. I've watched some of your shows. I thought they were done very well, very professional. Um, your guests are, are really, really good, and you do have your own style, which really, that's the whole thing, is everybody has to have own their own style. style. Like, everybody comes and tries to put a two-member combination and do the stuff we do, but they don't get any views they, they because, because, they're not, because they're not trying to be themselves and come up with their own ideas. You've got your own idea the way you want to do it. Nobody else is doing it. Um, so it you've was, created a niche for yourself, and that's what, what people will like is your niche. I got an email from somebody that said, Oh, I watched a show and the guy was trying to be you, Ron, and he was so terrible, I couldn't even stand it for another minute. And I wrote back, I said, gee, you think I'm terrible? I'm sorry. She said, no, you're wonderful. It was the way he was trying to do your act that was terrible. I said, well, you know, I, I think you've really hit on something. You have to be yourself. I don't think anybody could imitate either of you or duplicate the chemistry between you. It's right. natural, it's sincere, it's authentic. And I, I knew when I started this that I would have, you know, I can't ignore the fact that I spent 26 years as a judge in a courtroom and that I have a certain way of asking questions. And the nice thing about the internet is that there is a market. There's a niche audience for everybody. Everyone, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so who, let's, excuse me, years ago, when I worked, let's say, um, New Jersey, uh, the, the Cherry Hill Theater, very chic, very elegant, all wealthy people. I only had, I think, 150 in that audience twice a night, you know, a drink show and a dinner show. Nobody could, you couldn't get out there. Today, all I have to do is one show here and five million people see it. So, of course, we're going to get out there easier. And, of course, we can bring us... Out of the 150 people at Cherry Hill, 10 may have not liked me. But out of 5 million, if 2 million don't, there are 3 million that do. Point. Did I make any sense or am I getting sense? I made sense. I guess I'm <laughs> no, no, I think that's the formula to your success, Ron, is that you are yourself. You don't care. Fuck them if they can't take a joke. You're going to be yourselves. You know that there's an audience of people who appreciate you who enjoy the humor, 
who feel like you keep them company when they're watching your show? Because that's how I feel. When I watch you, I feel like I'm kind of eavesdropping on a conversation between friends. No, you're, you're that's in, what it's supposed to be, no, though, a conversation you're, you're between friends. My, you're in my kitchen in Brooklyn having Entenmann's cake with coffee. That's what I do. Another thing, as a child growing up in Brooklyn, if you were a liar, oh, you got beaten up by the other kids. Liar, liar, set your house on fire, you're no good. Boom, boom, boom. You couldn't lie from Brooklyn. My friends today, if you go and you tell a story, they say, oh, you're bullshitting. You're full of crap. That never happened. And you got to prove it. So I grew up with lying being the worst thing that anyone could ever do. And I promise you, and I'm not saying it because I lie, it's cover up. I don't lie because it's stupid to lie. You get caught in it. It's embarrassing. And it's not necessary. Tell people what you feel in your heart. Tell the truth. Tell a story as it is, the truth. And people know the difference between bullshit and real. Well, the thing that fascinates me about you, now Jimmy's different. Uh, Jimmy does research, but Ron, you don't do any preparation. You want it to be totally spontaneous. Totally. So, I had no idea who you I are. have to make sure. I hate to tell you, but I'm sorry. But I, I, I don't watch uh, other people's work. Because I don't even watch, I don't even watch my shows, to be quite frank. Um, I had no idea who you were. He just said to me, be conservative. He's a judge. I said, oh, well, I, well, how, me be conservative? What can I do? So I thought to no, myself. No, but he played back right away, so we knew no, it was okay. No, wait a minute. So I thought to myself, judge, oh, shit. Now I have to sit there like pinched and go, hello, how are you? But. Man, I want to go because we only have a few minutes. We only have a few minutes, and I want to talk about him. You turned out to be my buddy. You turned out to be a sweetheart, a mensch, a delight. I will certainly watch your shows now, and if I see something I think you might do better, I will call you and tell you. Hey, listen, Harvey, maybe you want to do that and do this because I that would mean the world to me, Ron. Thank you so much. Well, I just I'm in love with you both. The moment Lori told me about your show, I started watching and I got hooked. Of course. And I feel like you're my you're my good friends. And when you move to New York, I'm coming down there, and I want to go to Brooklyn, and I want to have intimate no, no, speak with you. We're gonna come out to our house. We're gonna live in East. We're Hampton gonna live in East. Now. We're gonna live in East Hampton. Beautiful. I can't okay. wait. I will bring the Entenmann's cake. How's that? Okay, but also you have to dress in Dolce and Gabbana and Gucci no, because it's so friggin' snobby there. <laughs> oh, East. Oh, so you gotta go there looking like. Like, forget about it. You got to drive. Anyway, I don't have other questions. All right, we'll talk about that the next time you come on. We're gonna bring. We'll bring you on again. Anyway, okay, sure Harvey's coming, we like. We like. Harvey's you. coming back. Um, so I would ask, love that. I want to get you guys on my show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we tell me it. this. Uh, let's go to uh, uh, like a bucket list, a wish list. So you've had all these great people. If you could give me somebody living and somebody dead that you would love to interview um, and have on your show, just to give us an idea of something that you think would be really, really cool. You know, I would love to have had Princess Diana on my show. I really feel that she never got any good interview ever. And I, as for as someone living, I would love to get Barbara Streisand. Oh, that's okay, Harvey. I have to make a point. My daughter grew up with best friend is Lara Spencer, ABC Good Morning America, and Lara did do an interview with Lady Di. And it was a lovely interview. So there was an interview done by uh, Lara Spencer for, for ABC when she well, went. I to was very, you know, I was very lucky. 
uh, Princess Diana's best friend and vocal coach wrote a book about her last year. And he came on the show and talked about her very intimately. And that was quite an experience. I have to say, I was very moved by what he had to say. I like love it. Well, she was a victim of the queen. There's no question. About wait, wait, that. who was the person that you said that would be living? The person living was Barbara Streisand. Oh, yeah, Barbara Streisand. Okay. Oh, no, I like Barbara Streisand. I'm, actually, I paid $1,000 a ticket to go see her. Back Me too. <laughs> that worked out to exactly $2.25 a note. <laughs> You're right, which is just freaking like You're terrible. very funny. You have to do that. Do that on your interviews. Really. I don't have the I don't have the years of experience and the confidence that you have, Ron. No, I'm going to try and channel you, but I don't think I could do it. Harvey, you're not rehearsed now, so do it. This is you. This is you. Who you are? You're absolutely delightful. We're not rehearsed. Even me, when I talk, I have notes just to make sure because I knew you had a copy line. I knew you have the show, and I wanted to talk about your background. But in general, like all the rest I mean, of the listen, conversation is if, just made if, up. When I do a film. My grammar is perfect because I'm reading lines that someone wrote that knew how to speak English well. When I'm here, I speak Brooklyn because that's who I am. So the thing I'm saying about you is be who you are. You're not a judge anymore. I think you're a good comedian and delightful Very and, witty. and enjoyable. And that would make you more more wanting. I would, I would watch your show more if I got more of this and less than... Well, I'm going to take that to heart. I love you both so much. I'm so grateful that you included me on, on your show. It's a great honor and a real thrill. It's no, it's very I'm not going to say that when I'm on your show. When I'm on your show, I'm going to say, Harvey is so lucky to have us. We <laughs> were born, Jimmy and I were home, bored to death. And I said, what are we going to do? He said, we're going on Harvey's show. I said, well... Yawn. It's okay. Let's do it. Now, I think that I think that you've got it going on. Invent, invent. I think that you. I think that you've got it going on. I um. I have to be honest. I mean, before before I love him. I before before Lori emailed me, I didn't know who you you. I didn't know who you were. So then I did all the research because before I when she asked me, I had to go look and see what you had done before I actually said yes because. Because, you know, a lot of people want to, I get like 50 of those a week, but like most of those people Do you know I how want. many friends we have made from our show? Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, well, who doesn't they, want to be your friend? But no, I want to know, what's it like for you interviewing another interviewer? Is that weird? Not the only time we've done it. We've I don't, done it I don't, four I don't think, times. I don't think of you as an interviewer. I think of you as your personality. You're charming. You're witty. You're funny. I love you. I think you're great. I'm willing to give you my company, which is very, very important. <laughs> no, seriously, appreciate it. Shut up. Listen, um, or maybe forget what I was going to say. It's important. Uh, no, you, you, you don't think of me as an interviewer. No, I do not. You're a person. You know, your occupation is interviewing, but so what? Uh, I, I you don't have such an interesting background. It makes you... Nothing um, intimidates me. That's the word. You, but bringing you on makes something very different because... Out of all the interviewers, nobody has your background. You're the first interviewer I've ever seen, and I pay attention. You know, I've got a huge following in social media. You, you're actually doing something that no one else has done, which makes you unique all to yourself, and I love that. I like people who are unique. I have to say this. We made a very dear friend who I love a lot, and his name is Julian uh, Schlossberg. You know who Julian, Julian Schlossberg. Julian Schlossberg is? And he's now become my best friend. And I want to tell everybody out there, I finally read the book, 
entirely. And his book is beyond fabulous. It's funny. It's interesting. He he drops names. It's a book that you have to have to get, folks. And the title of the book is Jesus. I forgot. That's not the title. Actually, he's a good name. I have some good guests that. What was Julian? The title of Julian's book. Oh, try not to hold it against me. Try not to hold it against me. Go out and buy it. It is absolutely going back to 1915, 16, no, 40, when Julianne was born and how he he's raised. Friends with, as a matter of fact, he's best friends with Barbara Streisand, so that might give you an in to get your, to, to Barbara Streisand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we'll tell Julianne about you with him to go on your show. He's a wonderful guest and a wonderful guy, and we love him a lot. So you guys, listen, if you want to find Harvey's shows, you can go on uh, YouTube. It's Harvey Brownstone Interviews. The website is HarveyBrownstoneInterviews.com. His Instagram is at Harvey Brownstone Interviews, right? Yeah, at Harvey Brownstone Interviews. You can see links to all the shows he's done. Um, He posts everything up there. He makes cute little graphics and everything. He's very, very good at it. We want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And we can't wait to actually meet him in person, which will happen soon. And no bullshit, because I love Toronto. And in the summer... I told Jimmy I'm going to take him to Niagara Falls and put him in a barrel and throw him over and see, <laughs> if, he make, and see if he makes it. You know what a wonderful show that's going to be, Harvey? We're going to I will him. be at the bottom of the waterfalls to catch you, Jimmy. Good. Thank you, Harvey. No, that, that, that show is going to really make the, the top ratings. By the way, everybody in the chat room is saying you're a great guest. So Isn't he a great that, guest? Yeah, Go and tell everybody how do they get your coffee real quick. we got one minute. Oh, HollywoodBlends.com. It's the Harvey Brownstone talk show blend. There we go. All right, you guys. All right. Lots of love to you both. Thank you so much for having me on that show. I loved it, and I love you, and I don't believe you're 83. I want a birth certificate. (laughs) Yeah, hang on. I want to say this. The guy that you were with that cheated on you, schmuck, look what you lost. That's right. Thank you. Oh my God, I love you even more now. I do. <laughs> and we and, and please tell your new significant other hello. All right. See you soon. Bye bye, Harvey. Thank you. Thank you so bye-bye. much. Bye. Bye bye, Harvey. Yay! What a great guest. He is such a sweetheart. You just want to eat him up. Isn't he adorable? No, he's a great guest. What a nice guy. All right, you guys. What a sweet fellow. Now we're going to bring on our next guest. Who uh, we didn't play a music thing because he should already be there. Maybe we play music later if we get. Um, so go ahead and uh, Juan, let's go ahead and bring Lou on. Is he there? Hey, Lou! Goodness. Live from a cabana somewhere in some beach club on Long Island. Your future <laughs> home. <laughs> well, meanwhile, you are so good looking. Oh, please. No, no, wait, please. stop. I have to tell Thank the, you. I have to tell all the women watching, make sure the batteries in your vibrator are new. <laughs> or plug in your vibrator and charge. guy no. is hot. Oh, God, thank you so much. And I've been listening to the last few minutes of your show. You guys are great. And you know what? I was actually fired by Barbara Streisand. I heard you guys talk about Barbara Streisand. (laughs) I was fired from the set of Funny Girl when I was seven years old because I told her to fix her nose after she yelled at me. you believe that? (laughs) No, you didn't. When I was seven, yeah. I love that. I was fired on the spot, and I was crying like a baby because I saw my father and my mom getting yelled at also, and they fired me. and Anne Francis, remember the great Anne Francis? She took me to the side and said, look, we know that nobody likes this woman and she's really nasty and mean, but you can't talk to her like that. And I have the picture on my wall, me and my little shorts crying with, with Anne Francis. Now, are you Italian or Jewish? I'm half Italian and half Ukrainian. Oh, okay. That's why you're so handsome. 
All right, hold on, everybody. Now we want to welcome to the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, an incredibly accomplished actor, producer, I think writer. Uh, he does a little bit of everything in Hollywood. Lou Martini Jr., hello and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure and an honor. I heard a lot about you guys. I just had the pleasure of being introduced this to Jimmy. This is, my, this is my co-host, Ron Russell. Say Lou, hi. Where, 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 where are you on Long Island? Uh, the, the Sands. It's a, it's a Atlantic Beach. Are we in Atlantic Beach? Yeah. It's a all-time resort. I feel like the Flamingo Kid here. It's one of those all-time uh, beach. So you're in the five towns. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did not want to reschedule with you guys because you're the hottest thing going. I says, I don't want to reschedule. Take a chance. I'm not getting on. I'm from Long Island also. Originally Brooklyn, then Long Island. Um, yeah, I'm in Brooklyn now. I'm in Bay Ridge now. Still a good neighbor. Oh, Bay Ridge. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no such thing. There's no such thing as I know, we know. There's, no, say, there's that, no such thing. I, I say that to all my mafia friends. There's no such thing as mafia. Actually, he's friends with all of them because he knows, I'm sure he knows all the people that we've had on the show. Oh, but I can't mention names because. Yeah, don't, dro don't drop those names. If you're familiar <laughs> with Mill Basin, and. Yeah. Uh, okay. And my cousin yeah. Bertha Sanzo, Louis Sanzo, they're dead, so I could talk about them. Yeah, he, yeah. He was a big mafia guy, Louis Sanzo. That's anyway, actually, did you know Gianni Russo? I still know Gianni Russo. Oh, yes. I had him on the show not too long ago, and we had, I don't know, we've had a whole bunch of cool people um, that have been. That show must have been a six hour show, though, right? With Gianni. Yeah. It was I put him on for eight hours or whatever his story. Actually, no, actually, because we only have the same amount of time for everybody, so so we had to cut cut to the chase and get to what we wanted to talk. Really, to. really, okay. All right, you guys. So, so wait a minute. So, so you're not a fan of Barbara Streisand's? Uh, talent wise, fantastic. Human being wise, not so much. I heard that from a lot of people. I've been doing it for a long time, and I, I know people that know her well and have worked with her and stuff. And just you know, it is what it is. You know. No, I've heard stories that, uh, about her that are. But talent-wise, you can't touch her. I mean, you know, we all know that. It's true. But you know, Barbara has said Barbara has said herself, "I'm only getting even with the people who were mean to me when I was trying to become famous." Yeah, I could see that. I, I could absolutely see that. Sean Penn says the same thing. You know, exactly. She's mean, she's mean to a lot of people because yeah. of that reason. So one thing I'm going to tell you is you need to post more on your Instagram, and you guys can follow Lou on his Instagram. It's Lou Martini Jr. And uh, uh, yeah, there you go. IG is New Martini Jr. So, so you started out as a child actor because I know you were a child actor. You were like one of the kids in The Godfather, like at, at the wedding or something. So you were you've been doing this a long time. Then. Yeah, my dad, my my dad's side of the family, my dad and my uncles, they were all singers and entertainers and actors. And my dad actually was signed on, was hired to play Luca Brazzi in The Godfather. Uh, shot one day. I got sick, had a stroke, and passed away. It was replaced oh. by Montana in the film. And I'm, I'm actually the only actor to have principal work, what they call principal work, lines in Godfather 1 and The Sopranos. I did a scene where James Caan was taking the bridesmaid up the stairs to go do the fooling around thing. And two kids, we run by him being kids, and we run around the wedding cake in the kitchen. The first kid is me. That's oh, yeah. a little bit of movie trivia. There you go. The Sopranos in 2006. What Brooklyn accent, huh? You're making fun of me. You're breaking my chops here. <laughs> hey. Everybody you makes You got an accent. I ain't got no accent. See, they all make fun of me. They all say, oh, my God, where are you from? I said, Brooklyn. They said, oh, we thought so. You speak like Brooklyn. I said, good. No, your accent is very slight now. Very slight. Yeah, How long have you been in Palm Springs? A long time, right? Five, Five years. years. Listen, 
Oh, you you just have, oh I thought you were out there a long time. Uh, I, I, forget about it. Don't start with me because you forget start about it. Hey, yo. hey yo, <laughs> well, come on. You start, you start with me, you're in big trouble because I don't give a shit. Start with the wrong guy. I don't care about nothing, you hey, know. Yo. yo, so I have a very heavy Brooklyn accent, but I have uh, toned it down a little. <laughs> I love your shirt. I like the was that a leopard kind of print thing? Yes. When I'm in movies, they say speak a little clearer, like lose your accent. I said, then I sound like a pig. <laughs> I do. I, well, if I speak English, I sound like a big fucking pig. There's no question about it. Watch. So nice to meet you, Lou. I'm so happy you're on our show, like a big queen. <laughs> right, right. I, I, just, I just got a heart on. You're right. <laughs> See that Brooklyn humor? God bless you. I love it. So you guys when I started out in the business, when I when I took it seriously after college, the first thing I did was take the speech classes, and everybody's like, you're too New York, you're too New York. And I really tried to be not New York for about five years, and I didn't get a job. I said, right. you know what? I'm going to be me, and the rest is history. I'm doing okay in the business just by being me. You know, so. Me too. I always play a, yeah. a cop. I play a cop, a priest, a, a, always a wise, guy. a wise guy. I'm always a wise guy in the movie yeah, yeah. all the time. So yeah. hey, let me brag a little so bit for a Lou. place for us. Yeah, so yeah. you know what? There ain't too many people that have our accents anymore. Right, right, true, true. Actually, you play mob guy in a lot of things, though. You're like mob guy a lot. Well, <laughs> lately, now the last, and I and I thank this. This is my wife's fault, but the best advice she ever gave me was about five years ago. I stopped dyeing my hair, and I let my hair go gray, and I grew the beard. <laughs> Not stop working, playing lawyers and politicians. Now put me in a whole completely different. No, I agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, I I did that about five years. I was actually working on um, uh, Miss Miss Maisel, the great show on Amazon. Oh, Maisel. Wow. We love that. And show. they cut my hair. I was doing a guest spot, and they cut my hair short. And the gray was coming in. And the hairdresser, who I know for many many years, says, "Lou, you have a really nice head of gray hair in there. Why don't you think about letting that go?" And I went home that night. I told my wife, she said, "I've been telling you that for five years. You look like one of those OTB guys with the orange hair. Stop dyeing your hair." And I booked literally out of the gate. Two weeks later, I let it all grow in. Seven jobs in a row, including the recurring role I have on Law and Order SVU now that I'm blessed with, you know, and it's put me in a whole different, a whole different, uh, I guess, the uh, realm of uh, of work. Again, before it was always cops, monster, uh, mobsters, you know, janitors that beat their wives and that kind of stuff. But we moved up on the chain a little bit, lawyers and politicians. Yes, and lawyers and politicians. So, wait, I'm going to brag a little for you. All right, so here's some of the TV shows you guys. Um, ha could have seen Lou Wan, Ball, FBI, Most Wanted, Blue Bloods, Hunters for Life, The Marvelous Miss Maisel, Orange is the New Black, Vinyl, Sneaky Pete, The Deuce, Nurse Jackie, Girls, The Americans, White Collar. I know there's a bunch more. As the World Turns, that was my mom's favorite soap opera. Yeah, Sopranos, guys, he was on a bunch of episodes of The Sopranos. Also, he's on all the Law and Orders, Law and Order, Law and Order, SVU, Law and Order, Organized Crime. He was on Aquafina is Nora from Queens, uh, and just like that, which we can't even watch anymore. Manifest. Um, so he's been in a tons and tons and tons of television shows, and that's just the ones I know. If they were on your resume, but I hadn't seen them, right? I know what they were. I didn't write it down. Well, that's a nice <laughs> list you put together there. Yeah, that's a nice that's list. That's great. So, did you get to meet Aquafina? Uh, yes, I worked. She directed the episode I did. She was very, very nice. I, I love. I did a guest spot with BD Wong, who was also very nice. We did a really funny scene. I was a Guy that had a coffee truck with us. Remember, remember when they did? Um, Do I know her? Ocean. We've never met her, but Ocean's Eleven. They did the one with all the women with Sandra Bullock and everybody. She was one of those women. Oh, She's okay. hilarious. I think Aquafina's very one of talented girl. Very talented girl. Very talented. 
so amazing. Um, and then well, I worked with Sophia Loren. Wow. <laughs> I dream about Sophia Loren. <laughs> <laughs> and then we also so did everybody on the set. <laughs> during, during the pandemic, we watch a lot of Tubi. Um, and, and like two weeks ago, and I didn't know you were in this. Uh, I didn't recognize you in it. Uh, but we watched this movie called, what was it called? Um, Oh, what the fuck was it called? It was called Secret Promise. It's an older movie with Ion Sky and Talia Shire and stuff. Oh, and like, I played the, the priest with a head cold. It's a really it's good. Very funny, uh, some sneezing bits in it. Priest with a head cold. It's a really good movie, though. Actually, we really like enjoyed the movie. The guy who played the lead was super cute. Um, I'm a big Ion yeah, Sky. It was, Ita- it was an Italian actor. I forget his name. Very nice guy. I wrote it down, but... Nice Ralph on Tubi Tubi now? Okay. Yeah, it's on Tubi. So, wait, so we just watched it on Tubi. So, Lou, you, you live in the East Coast, right? Hey, yeah, I'm in Bay Ridge, and then uh, we have a little place down the Jersey Shore that I love in Toms River. Okay, so you're East Coast. So we'll see you when we, we're moving to East Hampton. I know, I know. I heard. I heard the news. I mean, I'm in I'm in, your neck of the woods all the time. Yeah, yeah, we got to get together. Absolutely. Okay, That's a right. must. You know, there's a wonderful Italian restaurant next to the funeral parlor on uh, Avenue forgot but maybe you know it if it's still there uh, after the funeral that they kill somebody well, I'll, I'll, I'll do one better we'll go to a place in bay ridge that opened up last year called brooklyn roots you can't get in unless you have a reservation it's the most amazing spectacular italian meal you've ever had this kid took all his mother's recipes it's got the red and white tablecloths he's got the tv on where either the godfather or goodfellas or something like that is on the tv <laughs> It's amazing. It's like going back in the sixties, but the food is spectacular. We'll go to Brooklyn Roots, guys. Yeah, I could, I could drop a few names. We'll get in right away. We Absolutely. Have, yeah, yeah. We don't have. To. So wait, I want to go back. So you did another because I wrote down a whole bunch of stuff from your resume, and you did another movie which I have not seen, but we just uh, it's called West End with uh, Eric Roberts, who's been on our show, and Peter Ornati. We just had on our show like three weeks ago from SWAT. Yeah, both Sweethearts, man. Both yeah, super great guys. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about that film. That film is actually, that has the last footage of the Jersey Shore before Sandy, before it was all destroyed and redone. We had shot that uh, right before Sandy hit a few years back. So that's actually the last footage of the Jersey Shore uh, before Sandy. Yeah, that was a fun film, West End. Joe Bazile wrote and directed and starred in it. And it was myself, Eric Roberts, uh, Peter, Anthony Mangano, great cast. Yeah, great little film. I noticed a lot of the because you're in several movies with a lot of the same people. Uh, one of the guys is coming on the show, John Fior. He's coming on the show. Oh, that's my buddy. That's my buddy. We met on Law and Order back in 1992. Yes, yeah, so he's, he's going to be on. John Fiore. Yes. And, Gigi. Uh, Gigi. He had a nice run on The Sopranos also. Yes. So how was that being on The Sopranos? Because that was the biggest show. Like at that time, that was like the biggest show on television. Like what was I, that? I tell you, I was blessed at that time to have two shows on at the same time. The bad news about it was my mom had passed. She had just passed, so she didn't get to see it. I know she saw it from upstairs, but I was right. hosting. I was one of the first uh, first reality shows, a show called The Gastineau Girls on the E Network that I hosted. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It was Mark Gastineau's wife and her daughter. They yeah, were like the Kardashians before the Kardashians. And I was hosting that show when I booked The Sopranos. So I was on The Sopranos on Sunday nights, and I was on The Gastineau Girls on Tuesday nights. So I had a nice little run there. But a lot of food. And everybody in Sopranos, we all knew each other from beforehand because we run in the same circles. We go up for the same roles and stuff like that. So it was like doing a, it was like doing a show with your family, with your cousins and your uncles and your aunts. It was a great experience. Great experience. Next year, we're doing a movie shot all in New York. 
and no bullshit, but there's a part in it for uh, the head of the, not mafia, but the head of uh, gangsters. And we're going to be casting for him. Uh, what's his name was supposed to play it? My Paul Savino, who was my friend. Right, right. But Paul passed away. Yes, rest and in now, peace. And now that part's open. So seriously, I'd like to talk to you about it when we're ready to shoot. Absolutely. It's a good, it's a good part. You play. It's a comedy, a black mm -hmm. comedy. And uh, that's right. Set in 1943. Dark comedy Dark set in 1943. Comedy. Shot in 1943. Love it. Love it. Love it. And it's, it's an excellent part with the long monologue dialogue. So, and you have to be really uh, mean. and Not mean. You have to be, you know how they He knows how to be mean. You know how they you know <laughs> I've seen a bunch of his no. shit. <laughs> no, listen. The Capo de Capo, who I've met many, were not mean. They were very. Stern. Stern, business, all business, Stern. Oh, wait a minute. Where are you from? What do you do? Who do you know? Where, where? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So I never mean. They were just. So I've, I've, I've been talked to by a few of those guys. I was in a, I was in a restroom in a restaurant in the city one time, and me and a friend are talking, and we mentioned somebody's name just in conversation. Next thing you know, I'm literally at the toilet, and a guy taps me on the shoulder. He's like, hey. You shouldn't be mentioning names or throwing names around like that. <laughs> it's, it's true. I'm like, I'm sorry, buddy. You know, I knew who it was. And as a matter of fact, I recognized the guy. Like, sorry, we're just talking, just, you know, just talking, talking shit. No, and, uh, yeah, I, had mentioned, I had mentioned um, uh, Matty the Horse's name and passing about something. And this Listen. guy happened to be uh, his, his nephew. And, uh, you know, oh, that's my uncle you're talking about. You shouldn't be talking about him when you're pissing or whatever, whatever the conversation was. But, uh, no, I, one, yeah. no. one time the FBI came to my house on Long Island. Just once? Only once. Because <laughs> I was seen going in and out of supposed mafia house that they were sort of surveying. Yeah. So they called me out on Long Island. I don't know how to yeah. me. And I was innocent. So they said sure. to me, do you, know, <laughs> wait, do you know this name? Do you know that name? Do you know that name? So being an actor, I said, listen. <laughs> Jack Queen, yeah. what do I know from these kind of people? Do you think I really know about these kind of monster people? Well, they ran out of my house so fucking fast. Oh, so I told my friends a story. They were pissing in the bloomers. They you, ever, were, you ever have your phone tapped where they send you the letter? You no, I, no, they just came to see if I knew these people, if I was going to give them any information. So the I, FBI I will send you a letter. When they're tapping your phone, they send you a letter. I got a letter. I got a letter saying that your phone's going to be tapping yeah. in the next couple months. My cousin, my cousin Bertha used to always tell me on the phone, you're coming over? All right. Make sure you dress nice because the van is outside. But <laughs> <laughs> and they were. The van was outside photographing everybody that went in and out of her house. So they asked me questions about my cousin Louie. Yeah. I said, what do I know? Drag queen, darling. What do I know? They so, fortunately or unfortunately, I mean, where us guys come from and, and who we've been around and then in the show business thing. I mean, these characters are around and we're going to run into them and be acquaintances with them, sometimes friends with them. And that's, that's part of where we're from. And that's part of what we do is, I really hate the way they portray the Italians in syndicate. They all portray them as rotten, mean killers. They're not like that social. Yeah, natural. The nicest people in the world. You go to their home, they put everything out to eat. You yeah. sit down, they say, sit down, make yourself comfortable. Want to play cards? What? They're real people. Yeah. They kill each other? Yeah. Because why? You squeal on me, you motherfucker, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you 
your own street. If you lived in a mob neighborhood back in the day, there was no, uh, you know, I, I mean, you, you guys familiar with Spaghetti Park in Ozone Park, Queens? Sure. There's a I, park I, called I, Spaghetti I, Park. Literally, the guys, the guys would leave their lawn chairs, their bocce balls, their radios. Everything was out overnight. Nothing was ever touched because they knew not to touch anything. Sure. You know, if you lived in a mob neighborhood back in the day, your neighborhood was safe. I'll tell you that. They looked out, they looked out for the neighborhood. I was you know. born in Red Hook in nineteen yeah. in nineteen forty. Right, so you know, so you know. Yeah. In nineteen forty, Red Hook was where all the big, big mafia guys were born and raised. Yeah. I mean, my father used to go to. We lived in the projects, the Red Hook projects. Across the street was the Italian club. You go across the street, the fathers of all the biggest, biggest couple of coffee were there. Mm-hmm. So I know these people, and I know. Listen, you're in trouble. They do you a favor. They're good people. I don't want people to think the mafia is bad people. They're not. They, they don't, don't even exist. No, they don't exist. But if they did exist, they only kill each other. They don't kill civilians. I like like it. So I don't believe this guy. Sorry, I, I, somebody obviously lost their keys on the beach. They're making oh. big announcements. I don't know if you heard it. Oh, that, oh yes, we heard it. Oh, no, don't you agree? I, absolutely. I mean, there's there's there's, there's pros and pros and cons, literally. About that life, you know. I mean, I listen to Michael Frances a lot, and he's he's a fascinating guy. And as a matter of fact, Jimmy and I talked to him about. I have a faith based film, and he's he's into the faith based stuff, producing and things like that. And I would love to speak to him about uh, one of our films that we're talking about doing a faith based film. Absolutely. What's going on in Washington right now with Biden and Trump? If I just take their names out and put Italian names, I got a mafia meeting. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very same thing that the Brooklyn guys do. Absolutely. They're both syndicates, right? They're both syndicates. They're both and organized crime. They're you know. so corrupt. Yeah. So that's bullshit. My dearest friends in the world are still people who are Italian and live in Bensonhurst. They live in all they live in Woodside, Queens, yeah. uh, Beechhurst. That's where I'm from originally, Sunnyside, Woodside. I went to high school in Woodside. And then you have to know, um I can't, but anyway. <laughs> uh, we had I an probably uncle. do. I probably do. We had an uncle who was a fence, all right? Yeah. One day we go over the house. I walk in the foyer. There's a big chandelier crystal. I go in the living room. There's a big chandelier. <laughs> I go in the kitchen. There's a big chandelier crystal. Oh. I go in the bathroom. There's a, they had a truckload of chandeliers. Wow. And he went and loaded them and put them in the house. And he was selling them from the ceiling on wires. <laughs> So real quick, wait, wait, one story, real quick, and then okay, I, 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 I need to talk about I go, shit. I go to my friend's house because he said we got suits, beautiful suits. I went, I go up the stairs. Guess what? A cop opens the door. So I said to the cop, "Oh, isn't this the father's house? Because the church was next door." He said, "No, that's next door." I said, "Thank you." Then I hear my friend in there said, "You stupid bastard, get in here!" <laughs> so the cop was taking suits. You know, the cop was. The biggest cut they got him for free. So yeah. I went almost there. almost as big as the fireman. The fireman would know for everybody. So I got a lot of gorgeous two and three hundred dollar suits for nothing. Some of them to take that one. That one for free. It was wonderful. So I want to do what I want to do real quick uh is uh I'm gonna have him play the law and order clip you sent me just so we everybody can see what you look like on the screen. And it's a short clip, you guys, and then we'll come back and talk with Lou some more. But you introduce it for me, Lou. Uh, Lou I- I guess, I guess it's a clip where I have a recurring role and I play a lawyer by the name of Ron Fredo. I have an interesting story about that name, obviously Fredo, like the Godfather. And I do a couple episodes a year on Law and Order SVU. I just did one 
they crossed me over to organized crime. So I think this is a interrogation scene clip that you have. There you go. Take it away, Juan. My client will agree to forcible touching on the girl from Jacob Lawrence. He house. raped her. Says who? She didn't see her attacker and DNA on headphones. Probative of nothing. Well, we have a voice ID. Mm -hmm. No eyewitnesses, only an ear witness. I'll convince the jury that little Lupe is deaf and blind. Little Lupe? It's tougher than you think. Juries love me, and they don't like cops. And that goes double for cops who turn into prosecutors. They're gonna hate you. Well, maybe not after they find out your client's DNA was at three different rape scenes. And we have three. Project Strong Girls, just like Lupe, will follow her to the stand. We're going after your client for all six rapes, including the Far Rockaway rape and the double murder. You're chasing a 60-year-old murder case with two confessions, huh? And a district attorney who's playing poker with tarot cards. Hey, you want to cut a deal? Your client allocutes to the Hernandez murders, and maybe I can swing criminally negligent homicide and rape two on the other six. I ain't fasting to no crack home murders, and I ain't copping to no pedo rapes. Sword arms, please, like those Moes Torres and Hernandez did. What do you know about that? I got no idea how Carlos has lasted 16 years in Greenhaven. Everyone knows he's a fag. All right, that's okay, Tim. Look, we're done here. I'll be taking my client back to processing. Get him out of here. You insist on murders and child rapes? We'll go to the mat in my ring. Great clip. Great clip. You, no. You're right about the gray, though. Like, no. I can see that. You look great. You know what? It pops. I guess it pops. I don't know. Not only are you very handsome, but you can act. Oh, thank you. I've been doing it a long time. I better be okay at it, at least at this point, since 1964. Have, have trouble with lines ever? Do I have what? Have trouble ever memorizing lines? Uh, later on in life, as you know, if I were to do a play right now, it takes me a little longer. Prevagen is an amazing thing, though. I start yeah. popping the I'm, I'm in a bunch of movies. Does that really work? Yeah, it does. It does. I see the difference. It helps me when I, I he take takes it. the Prevagen and it helps him remember the lines. Yeah. Well, I'm 83 years old, so I'm lucky I can pick. But I, I what do you call it? Uh, I use a thing now, like everybody might like to. Yeah. Street, everybody now my age. Yeah. We're using the earplug. Yeah. Because I can't, I mean, I could learn a lot, all my lines, and I get on the set. It's all about repetition. So story about about how I got the name Ron Fredo. When I got that job, uh, the character's name was I think Parker, Rob Parker. And I get to my what dress. Name, Ron Fredo? Fredo. Well, my name is Fredo, like the Godfather Fredo. F -R -E -D -O. And my, real, my real name is Ron Serego. <laughs> really, really. So I get to my dressing room that first day, and you know the name plate on the door where it should have said Parker. Somebody put a sticker on there and it said Fredo. So I thought somebody was playing a joke with me. I knew the director. I had worked with the director before. So I went up. I got to set and I said, hey, Mike, who put the Fredo sticker on my door? He says, oh, you don't know? I says, no. He says, they, they changed your name to Ron Fredo. He says, you better go down and talk to Jonathan Strauss downstairs, the producer, about what's going on. I'm like, okay, I, what's going on? So I run down there and he was just coming up to see me. He says, Lou, he says, the network loves you. We don't have a lawyer like you on the show. And we'd like you to recur as this character named Ron Fredo. And they're taking the Fredo from, this was right around the Chris Cuomo. You remember yeah. a couple of years ago, Chris Cuomo was like accosted in a bar and called Fredo. And he's, he said, how dare you? That's a, a bad term. It's slang. It's a derogatory term if you call an Italian Fredo. I don't know where he got that from, but that was the big thing. So I decided to change my name to Fredo and make me this recurring character. Which is awesome. Because it's so I cool. thought the word was Dago. 
Yeah, 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 right? Yeah, I, he, he thought Fredo was the rock. I guess because he thought that the Fredo character in The Godfather was, was weak and uh, cowardly and, you know, that kind of thing. So I have a question for you. Do you like horror movies? Because I saw you did a movie, and I've never seen it, and I'm a big horror movie fan, but you did a movie back in the day called Spiker, which the, the actual – and you're one of the leads in it, and and, uh, and the actual synopsis of it is really good. It sounds like it would be a good movie. Number one, is it any good? And number two, do you like horror movies? I love horror movies, and uh, Spiker was something that we shot actually on Long Island. I think we shot that in the Hamptons. We shot it way out of Long Island with Frank Zegarino, uh, again, a few years back, but had a nice time doing it, nice cast. It's a good little horror film, and I love horror films. I love I love uh, uh, the, um, the Halloween, the old Halloween franchise before – of we took it over and updated right. and stuff like that. See, I'm not for the updating stuff. I'd rather re-release the original to the young people. Show the original stuff. Absolutely. Not redoing stuff and you know modernizing or whatever or, or uh, putting a take on it. Re-release uh, the classics. Uh, I didn't mind the Rob Zombie one, but I don't like all the rest of Matt that. And only probably the only reason I liked it is because back in the day I was pretty friendly with Matt McDowell and Dave Fair, who played young Michael Myers. He's been one of my PR clients for years. Yeah. And I like, I like to be scared as opposed to gore. I yes. That kind of thing. You know, the Exorcist is – I can't watch The Exorcist. I'm terrified. Those quick shots of her being the demon, that stuff terrifies me. Yeah, I don't need the blood and gore. I like the scares. I've done a lot of horror, and I'm in a bunch of horror coming up if the strike is over. And I freely, like, read the script, and I'm happy that I don't have to be cut up. Because well, I've been I've been cut up before. Oh, I've been cut up. <laughs> I gotta warn you, Lou. I'm warning you, Lou. I'm warning you. If they cut you up and that blood gets in your hair, it's your hair's pink. Yeah, you can't yeah. Get fucking blood out. Yeah, take about seventeen showers just to uh, more. Yeah. So I told them, if, if you intend to cut me up, I have to wear a shower cap. <laughs> one of the one of the projects that I had mentioned to Jimmy. And he's looking at it over right now. Is I have a I have a screenplay that I wrote called King Killer. I'm also a big Elvis Presley fan, and I wrote this movie as an homage to the, the great '80s slasher films. And it's about a uh, a middle of the road uh, Elvis tribute artist whose mom is a wacko and actually thinks she's like a Gladys Presley type, and she wants to go around the country killing other Elvis tribute artists so her son can win the big contest in Memphis. Called King Killer. I love it. I think it's a genius. <laughs> I, I think it's a great black comedy. It's got the horror genre in there. It's got the Elvis stuff in there. So Jimmy and I are going to talk about that further. Also, something that we might get no, by. Yeah. So, so bucket list. Okay, so here's something I always like to ask people, and, and you've really been, you know, acting for such a long time since you started as a young child. Um, male and female that you haven't worked with that you would love to work with, and they can be living or dead. And then, if you could have ever been in any movie. Any movie that's ever been made in the world, and you can't pick The Godfather because you're in it, so you right. can't have been in it. Right. So any movie that you <laughs> can have. Godfather 2. Like, what movie would you have liked to have been in if you could have ever been in any movie that's ever been made? Oh, God. You whatever character you want in that movie. Well, I'll tell you my favorite movie of all time, and I would have. I was obviously much too young at the time, but today I would have loved to given a shot at that role, but nobody's going to touch John Cazale in Dog Day Afternoon, but I would have loved to have been opposite Al in Dog Day Afternoon. That would have been a dream. That would have been a dream. That was a hell of a performance. Oh God, it's it's just amazing. It's just amazing. And you know when he got hired, Sydney Sydney said the first thing he said he said he's way too old for the role, but he's brilliant. He is the role. I, I can't see anybody else playing the part. Phenomenal job. Phenomenal. Yeah. And then I'm a big Robert Mitchum fan. 
I would love to have done something with Robert Mitchum back in the day. And today, uh, Christian Bale. I'd love to do something with Christian Bale. Oh, I yeah. think he's phenomenal. Might be difficult to work with, but I'd give it a shot. Sam Rockwell. I love Sam Rockwell's work. Uh, some of those guys that, that I haven't worked with. If I, if and when I see you, I'll do you. I'll give you Robert Mitchum stories because he was Jane Russell's best friend. Yeah, yeah. I have stories about the two of them. Uh, he was best friends with Jane Russell. With Jane Russell. Was, yeah. Well, for example, when I when people don't know who Robert Mitchum is, I say go watch him in Cape Fear, and then go watch De Niro's Cape Fear and see the difference. Mitchum, as soon as Mitchum comes on screen, his presence is petrifying, frightening. De Niro had to do the tattoos and the, 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 the screaming and the yelling. Mitchum just comes on screen, touches his hat, and you're like, you're blown away. You're blown away by his presence. But they wouldn't like Rich, uh, Richard, uh, Robert Mitchum today because he and Jane were Republicans, big-time Republicans. Right, right, right. Republicans, and today they would be boycotted, killed, shot, murdered yeah. because Republicans are not allowed to say that. Yeah, there's no more debate anymore. No more free speech, unfortunately. No, you can't be a Republican today. You know, you're not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> People say to me, are you a Republican? Wait, uh, so I wait. say, no, I'm gay. <laughs> so wait, who was the? Uh, tell me, who was the male and the female actor again? Uh, Robert Mitchum. Okay, Robert Mitchum. Okay, who was uh, the I didn't name a female? Well, female. Okay. I always had a crush on Esther Williams. Oh, I know Esther. No, you really? You oh yes, Esther. yes, I knew Esther. Uh, is it true? Was... Let me ask you this. This is the one thing I heard about her, and I love Esther Williams. I have all her pictures on my wall still in my Jersey house. They say she had a mouth like a truck driver, like a sailor. Is that true? They all did. Really? Oh, yeah. Jane Russell. Well, I heard Esther Williams. Everything was fuck this, fuck this, fuck you, fuck your sister. That kind of stuff. When I met Jane Esther. Russell, too? No, when I met Esther, oh, she was Jane Russell's best friend. And I was going out with Jane. So Jane took me to Esther's house. And Esther was very polite and whatever. And you know me, I can't stay for five minutes without a fuck you or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The minute I started in, she came right out and did. Yeah, she was like a, she was real. She would say things, right. she used fuck a lot. So did Betty Davis. Right. I knew Betty Davis. She used fuck a lot. All of them did. Natalie Every, Wood, if I would have got a shot to work with Natalie Wood, that would have been a dream to work with Natalie Wood. The dirtiest mouth in Hollywood. I love Natalie Wood. The filthiest mouth in Hollywood was a little girl. Um, come on, Ron. Anyway, uh, June Allison. June Allison had a mouth. The fuck wasn't between every sentence. She wasn't happy. Yeah. But Esther Williams was, a, you know, she drank. She was tough. Somebody's she, got a birthday next door, as you can hear. Sorry about that. That's okay. I out a little bit. He actually was at lunch with Betty Davis, and she, like, telling the story about, like, of course you do. Oh, Betty uh, came with a sailor hat pulled down, big sunglasses, no lipstick. We had lunch. She finished lunch and she got the lipstick and went, mmm, and then turned around to the waiter and said, more coffee, please. Well, a bunch of queens were in the restaurant. They heard that. They jumped up. They ran over to her. And they said, oh, Miss Davis, I adore you. Miss Davis, I love you. Oh, Miss Davis, you're wonderful. And she said, of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> Betty was a camp. Betty was funny. Betty had a wonderful sense of humor. Uh, and you could, you could, I used to talk, well, not dirty, but I'd let a fuck fly every now and then. And so did she. Yeah. Um, if it was necessary, we never said fuck unnecessarily. Right, right, right. Jimmy, do you know the story how I got my name? 
Now, now, how I, get my name. I read something about it because you add, you changed it. Tell us the story. Yeah, so my name, my name, my stage name is Lou Martini Jr. Right. My family name is Azara. How I got the Martini name is back in the day. Azara, wait a minute. Azara. My family name is Azara. A Z Z A R A. Oh no, Lazara. No. They may, they, it may have been Lazar, and they may have lost the L back Did in the day. you know who was Lazar? Bernadette Peters, and she came from, not Sunnyside, but near you. And her father was Lazara Bread, Italian bread. Right, I know she was the bread thing. I didn't remember she was Lazara. Wow, okay. She's, her real name is Bernadette Lazara. So tell us, okay, so you were so in the father, My father back in the 20s was working, probably working on speakeasy one night with his brother Benny. They had an act. Benny was the piano player. My father was the singer and, and comedian. And they were getting raided, and these places would get raided. Either you get arrested, or they'd line you up and give you a summons, give you a ticket, whatever. So this one night, the place is getting raided. They line my father and my uncle up against the bar. Cops says, okay, what's your name? Ba, ba, ba. Somebody else lost their keys. <laughs> oh, now it's a parking violation. Oh, geez. My father and my uncle are lined up against the bar, and the cop comes and asks for their names. There was a coaster a Martini and Rossi coaster in front of my father. So my father says, my name is Luigi Martini. This is my brother, Benny Martini. Just give us the fucking ticket. Don't worry about it. He kept the coaster. They kept the name in their act. They, from then on, when it's Lou Martini and Benny Martini. And I still have the actual coaster that my father saved. So that's how I became Lou Martini Jr. So I, like I could have been Lou Rossi. I could have been Lou Rossi. I'm glad yeah. it was Martini. Actually, Martini is much cooler. It sounds much yes, yes, much better than Lou Rossi. Your real name is good also. My really real name, my father's name was Cesarigo. Cesarigo. Now, who the fuck is going to be in Hollywood with Wow. I got a Cesario, but I don't know a Cesario. We got yeah, a Cesario. So, but they knew my father is Big Benny. Okay. That was my father's nickname, Big Ben. He was a, a delegate for the union, painters, decorating. And he was in Red Hook? He's from Red Hook? Yeah, everybody. Yeah. I love everybody. My mother was from Ninth Avenue. But we lived in the projects, in the Red Hook projects, right. when they first built them. And I, I was born there. Yeah. So, I, I love, I, as I get older, I just I love talking about the old stuff, the old movies, the old days. I don't know. I, I feel like I was born in the wrong time. I feel like I should have been around like in the 50s. How, how, old, how old are you? Playing the Copa. I'll be 63 this year. You're, you're like Jimmy. You're a baby. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Jimmy. I feel like I missed my time. Like I feel like I should have been Bobby Darren. Not that I missed time. No, it was a wonderful time. I grew up. With, I was a teenager in the fifties, yeah. and it was the best time in the world. America was the best in the nineteen fifties. The war I say, was Ron, from from the day World War Two ended to the day that the Beatles got off that plane in sixty four. If you look at this country from forty five to sixty four, there's a lot to like. Entertainment. We all had money. We had bought homes. We had cars. Mama stayed home and cooked. Papa went to work. And my sister was safe. There was nobody raping. Everybody got along. Yep. And everybody got along. You know what? Being from Red Hook, we had our neighbors were black. And I never knew. Yep. You believe it? I never knew. Well, that's the point I want to make about the Beatles. There's an interesting article that somebody wrote in the Times that as far as segregation goes, the worst thing that happened to this country is when the Beatles got off that plane, all the white kids that were dancing and listening to Motown and black music and stuff, they stopped. They stopped dancing together. They stopped hanging out together. The, the, the black kids uh, you know, stayed with their black music. And all the white kids went to the Beatles and the Stones. A very interesting article on how that really segregated the country again. And things were really improving and, and getting better. 
the kids were dancing together and stuff like that. And then Beatles got off the plane and everything changed. Everything changed. But when I was 16, when I was 16, Johnny Mantis came on the scene. That's his favorite. And I, I've been a fan. I've met Johnny three times and I Still love him. Yeah. He's a nice guy as well. He's a sweetheart of a guy. And I adore him. So I never saw black people. You know, there's a difference. My black friends use the N-word when they talk about the ghetto garbage. Yeah. But if you know the decent, well-educated, famous black people, like we know CeCe Pennington, finally. We know so many black people. Oh, yeah. They're, they're wonderful that. people. They're beautiful people. Yeah. It's the garbage of any race that makes it bad for everybody. Yeah, it's you all know. about character. Skin color has nothing to do with it. If you're no, an absolutely. asshole, you're an asshole. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. No, I don't, I never, absolutely. I never saw color. I, I do when I see them robbing stores. Yeah. You know. I have a quick question, and I want to go one movie. We have two minutes. So you were in T Tina and T Tony and Tina's wedding, which I think was a Broadway play or something, right? Yes. Also, in the original cast, that was the first interactive Broadway show where you actually thought you were going to a wedding. A lot of people would tell their friends that they weren't going to a show, that they would go to a wedding, and everything would happen. I mean, uncles would pass out and stuff like that. You know, some terrible baked CD, and it was just an I was supposed to audition for that show. But I had so many appointments at my show over uh, the Eastern Seaboard, I couldn't. But he did a movie. It. He did the movie of it. No, I did the, the Broadway show. I was supposed. No, because you know some of the people that you worked with in that movie, they're like the biggest stars in the world right now. I mean, the yeah, big like Neela Kunis and uh, Joey McIntyre, Adrian Grenier, Richard Porton as a friend of mine, John yeah. Bernthal though, and Sebastian Stan. I mean, those are yeah. huge people. So how was that doing John that? John Bernthal. John Bernthal. Yeah. Yeah. How how is Joey McIntyre? Is he nice? I'm a big. Oh, no, it was great. He was a great. I'm a big New Kids on the Block fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he was he was honest about it. He says, "I don't know why I got hired. I'm an Irish kid, you know, from Boston. I don't know why they hired me to play an Italian kid from Queens." He's but actually a pretty good actor, though. Yeah. In, he was in that like uh, movie with Sandra Bullock and and the <laughs> that lady I forgot her name, the comedian, where they're like the cops and the oh. FBI agent. That was a great movie. McCarthy. Uh, yeah, oh yes, McCarthy. So, all right, so you guys, this is Lou Martini Jr. Check out all his different things. Follow him on Instagram. I'm going to get him to post more on his Instagram so he can build a following for all the big projects that he's got coming up. And uh, check out all the things he's been in. I hope you have a wonderful time on the rest of your vacation with your family. And we had, it was a pleasure having you on the show. We love it. Like I said, I wouldn't have missed it. I wouldn't have missed it. I said, I don't want to reschedule. You guys are hot. I got I to gotta keep my appointment with you guys. And it all worked out great. That's so, what he's hopefully. We'll looking, talk soon. I'm looking forward to going to that restaurant. Oh, we're in. We're in. Brooklyn Roots. I'm not, we're kidding. In. I'm not bullshitting. I, I, I'm going to be in Mill Basin a lot. Yes. You know, because my friends live there. So, yeah. So yeah, anyway, I'll introduce, you to, I'll introduce you to my friends. You'll like them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, Louis. Bye, Lou. Have fun. Bye, family. Bye, See ya. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. We had a great show today. We want to thank Harvey Brownstone. I think today's show was, it was a fabulous show, show. Today's show was one of the most realist. Is that proper grammar? Is one of the most realist shows we've ever had. Today, I really felt in good company. So we'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah, we in the mix. 
Yeah, we in the mix. It's another episode. Here we go. The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Interviewing the hottest, newest, and truest of today's celebrities. Make sure to subscribe so you can get notified weekly. Jimmy Star, he's the king of cool. Ron Russell, he's a gorgeous dude. Chat room is live and you would be a fool not to vibe with us at the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. So come watch it live on W4CY Radio. Miss some past episodes? Download on iTunes. The Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. It's the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell. Russell.